the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When's the last time you've gotten down on your knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before? Lord, make us a people of prayer and make us a people unashamed of the gospel, taking a stand wherever we are for Jesus in the right spirit, honoring you, concerned for people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about something this afternoon that's very near near and dear to my heart. It changed my life, and I know it'll change yours. What we're going to talk about this afternoon is the greatest blessing in your life, if practiced, and also the greatest challenge, because it's tough to have this principle embedded in our lives. Do you want to be used by God greatly? Well, then what we're talking about will help you to be used by God in a great way. It also will help you overcome the greatest enemy in your Christian life. And what would that be? What is your greatest enemy in the Christian life? Colossians 2.6 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You see, the way we get in this thing called Christianity is the way we go on. You don't get in this gig under one set of rules, standards, principles, and then go on with a completely different set? How did we get in? How were we saved in the first place? The way we get in is the way we go on. How many of us strutted into the kingdom? I tell you, some of us, especially preachers, can strut sitting down. My wife and I would go to conventions, preacher conventions, and we would sit in the airport at the conclusion of it and watch people go by as we're sitting there waiting for our plane to take off out there. And we'll see people strut strut by, and I could almost, I'd, t- I'd tell Beverly, preacher, not preacher, preacher, not preacher, by the way they walked, I tell you, Some of us preachers can strut sitting down with our wives five feet behind us. God help us. Well, if you strutted into the kingdom, then you're in the wrong kingdom. How did we get in? No, we got in humbly, didn't we? Through faith and repentance. That's why Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. That's where we begin. What is your greatest spiritual need today? Watchman Nee writes, 
The fundamental need of a disciple of Jesus Christ is not more power, but more brokenness. So that's what I want to talk to you about this evening. The most powerful principle you'll ever apply to your life. The greatest blessing, brokenness, key to usefulness, and it overcomes your greatest enemy in your Christian life. Years ago, I was being interviewed by a pastor search team in a restaurant. One team member shared his testimony of the Lord's dealing in his life. It was a testimony of brokenness and of great usefulness. He then turned to me and asked, Pastor Bob, have you ever been broken? I hung my head in shame and answered, No, not in the way you have described. Well, parenthetically, I never heard from that team again, that search team again. I went home and told Beverly of the conversation, my wife, uh, and the same question hit her like a ton of bricks. No, we had never been broken. Several weeks later, we discovered that Beverly had contracted life-threatening cancer with a 35% chance of living five years. Well, that was 37 years ago, and she's still here, praise the Lord. And that experience of brokenness brought my wife and me to our knees in humble submission and ultimately greater usefulness. You see, for up until then, friend, I really didn't need God. You see, God doesn't become all you need until he's all you've got. So today, I want to unpack this idea of brokenness with you. There are two artifacts, among others, I keep in my office. One is a broken vase full of pottery shards from the Holy Land, just pieces of pottery shards. Another is a whole pottery vase, complete. Did you know in antiquity, when they made pottery vases, they would stamp the Latin word sincere at the bottom of a pottery vase? Sincere is Latin for no wax. In other words, uh, this pottery vase is the real thing. There's no wax to cover up the cracks. This is a pottery vase that is sincere. And you see, brokenness leads us to the place of no wax. Sincere, a person of integrity. These are constant reminders of the Lord's work in my life in the past and also in the present and future, from brokenness to usefulness, these two vases. In the words of the old song by Bill Gaither, something beautiful, something good, all my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, and he made something beautiful of my life. And God wants to make something beautiful of your life as well. And when we come back... We're going to see the most beautiful illustration of brokenness in the Bible, one that every time I read it grabs my heart and it'll grab yours as well. See you in a minute. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Closer than a brother, there is no judgment. 
we are talking about something, the greatest thing we could discuss, greatest blessing, greatest challenge in your life, great way to be used by God, overcoming your greatest enemy in your Christian life. And if you were asked, what is your greatest enemy in the Christian life? How would you answer that? What we're talking about is of great significance. I have my messages numbered sequentially and the 16th message I ever preached as a young single evangelist was brokenness, key to revival. So this has been close to my heart my whole ministry. Can't say I've lived it out every day, but it's so very, very important. You see, some things are no good if they are broken. A racehorse is no good if his leg is broken. A priceless piece of china is worthless if it's broken. But some things are not good until they are broken. That same racehorse is no good until his will has been broken and under control. An untrained dog is a headache to his master. And an unbroken Christian is also of little use. You see, the greatest enemy of usefulness is is you. Brokenness or death to self is the answer to this problem. Gary Rosberg goes so far as to state, an unbroken person cannot be trusted. America's pastor Rick Warren said, I never hire an unbroken staff member. Now, what do I mean by brokenness? The word that best describes the condition of unbrokenness into which all of us are born is pride. Brokenness is best seen as humility before God and man, like that publican who came in in prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, in order for it to be all about Jesus, there needs to be brokenness, because the greatest hindrance to your life being all about Jesus is not the devil. He's not your greatest enemy. Others aren't your greatest enemy. Negative circumstances aren't your greatest enemy. You know who your greatest enemy is? You. Brokenness and death to self and humility before God and others provides this channel for Jesus' life and power to flow through you so that it becomes all about him. And Jesus tells a story, John tells a story, really, Jesus is in it, as he begins the last week of his life. He's in the home of his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in Bethany, which is only six miles from Jerusalem. And as they were sitting there dining, John twelve three says, Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Think about that. Envision it. All of a sudden, unscripted, Mary then interrupted this meal and anointed Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and unbraided hair was a sign of a prostitute, but she doesn't care, careless, and, and doesn't care about anything, but focused on the Lord and her Lord, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Another Bill Gaither song goes like this. 
broken and spilled out just for love of you, Jesus, my most precious treasure lavished on thee, broken and spilled out and poured at your feet in sweet abandon, let me be spilled out and used up for thee. And once it was broken and spilled out, a fragrance filled the room. So this wonderful incident in the life of Jesus beautifully illustrates the principle of brokenness and does not appear in this chapter accidentally, John 12. Mark's Gospel adds that the ointment was in a small bottle, an alabaster box, which was broken in order for the perfume to be used by Mary. This pure perfumed ointment symbolizes, you see, the inner spiritual man. The bottle symbolizes the outer man. The pure ointment cannot flow until the bottle is broken. Strange as it may seem, many of us value the bottle or our outer man more than the ointment or the inner man. Many think that their outer man is more valuable than the inner man. We spend time in image management. This becomes a great hindrance to our usefulness and blessing. One treasures his wisdom, another her education, another her feelings or emotions, another his eloquence or erudition, another her quick action, another his gifts, natural or supernatural, another his good looks or physique, still another her possessions, position or personality. We admire, even deify, the bottle and not the contents. And what does God have to say about this? Jeremiah nine twenty three and 24 says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty person glory in their might or the rich in their riches. But yet let him who glorifies glorify me. For in that we will be satisfied. You see, unbroken individuals are falling right and left because their outer man has never been broken. We're not to be antique collectors or admirers of the vase or the outer man. We are to desire only the fragrance of the ointment, the Lord Jesus himself. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume The fragrance will never fill the room until the bottle is broken. Has it ever occurred to you how valuable broken things are to God? God some way has a way of somehow specializing in broken things. Allegra McBurney says it best. Quote, I can't get over, Lord, how often in the pages of your word you've told of using broken things in working miracles. The boys, five loaves of bread, broken, fed a multitude. A roof your followers broke up to lower that palsied man into your presence. The pitchers carried by the men that Gideon led, broken, that the lamps within could shine forth and implement a victory. And to the alabaster box, which Mary broke in order to release its fragrance as she worshipped, at your feet. You've spoken to my heart, Lord, through your use of broken things, and now somehow I feel that brokenness of heart of will must be the starting point 
if you would work a miracle through me. And so break me to feed a multitude your word, to bring the ill in heart into your presence, shine in victory from my life, and send forth fragrant praise to you. End quote. Beautiful, beautiful. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 as recorded in Matthew, well, as recorded in every gospel, John 6, Matthew 14, Jesus blessed the bread, the fish, and then he broke the bread, and then he fed the people, and they were full. You see, in your life, what Jesus blesses, he breaks. What he breaks, he uses and feeds others. So what about you? Is your life an illustration of brokenness? Jesus goes on in this chapter, and not only is it illustrated for us with this woman Mary breaking the jar full of the ointment and the fragrance filling the house, he goes on in this chapter and cultivates it or unpacks it as it relates to his own life. So stay tuned as Jesus applies this principle to himself first and then to us. Isn't that the way it ought to be? As the Lord is our example, we follow in his steps. See you in a moment as we engage this principle and cultivate it in Jesus' life. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back. We're talking about something very powerful, very personal, and something that will change your life. Talking about brokenness. What's your story? Can you point to a time, a season of brokenness in your life? It's not like we can point back to 1985, way back there, but what about your continual attitude? of humility before God and men. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume that Mary broke out of the box and anointed Jesus. You know, you have a fragrance about your life as well. 2 Corinthians 2, 15, Paul writes, For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved to the one an aroma of death to death, to those who are perishing, to the other aroma of life to life. And so Paul says, let us manifest the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. There was an old commercial years ago about a men's cologne, and the line was, your cologne arrives 10 seconds before you do. Well, there is that fragrance about you that arrives 10 seconds before you do, is it the sweet fragrance of Jesus? Oh, how we need more of that. Jesus applies this to his own life later in the chapter when he says in verse 24 of John 12, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So Jesus is personalizing this idea of brokenness to himself using the analogy of a grain of wheat for a person's life. Life is inside the grain of wheat encapsulated in a very hard outer shell. 
As long as that shell is not split open, the wheat cannot grow. The death spoken of by Jesus, obviously in in this verse, is his own on the cross. I say, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so the cracking open of the shell takes place through the work of temperature, soil, minerals, and water. That's how it works physically. By way of application to us, there must be a breaking of the outer man in order for the inner man of Jesus to come through. The right conditions must exist for this to happen. Guess what? God will see to it that these conditions exist. The scriptures speak of the need of brokenness. Hosea ten twelve. Break up your fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes to range righteousness on you. And in Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, Paul goes on to unpack this idea of the fragrance of Christ by saying that the outer man is renewed, is perishing, but the inner man is renewed day by day, even in the midst of affliction and persecution. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power of God will be of God not of ourselves. I suppose we could say we're all a bunch of crackpots. Crackpots, so the life of Jesus can flow through us. So, again, what is brokenness? Roy Hessian's classic book on the subject, The Calvary Road, writes, listen, brokenness is when the hard, unyielding self, which justifies itself, wants its own way, stands up for its own rights, and seeks its own glory, at last bows its head to God's will, admits its wrong, gives up its own way to Jesus, surrenders its rights, and discards its own glory, that the Lord Jesus might have all and be all, quote. Watchman Nee wrote, again, the one basic lesson every servant of God must learn, that any measure of fruitfulness requires the breaking of the outer man to allow the release of the Spirit. End quote. So what is brokenness? It is the end of self, or the death of self, as said by Jesus here, grain falling into the ground. Nothing brings revival and allows the flow of God's Spirit more than an outer man or selfish man being shattered before the Lord, that his life and light might shine through. And nothing hinders usefulness more than an unbroken spirit. I call it flesh on parade. We see it on Facebook. We see it on Instagram. Sometimes we see it in our worship service by worship leaders and sometimes by preachers. Flesh on parade. Unbroken people. Think about the people God used in the Bible and the thread of brokenness in all of their lives. Moses spent the first 40 years thinking he was somebody. I can do all things. He spent the next 40 in the desert thinking he was a nobody. I can do nothing. He spent the last 40 years, God's somebody. God can do all things through me now. David was humbled by Saul at the beginning of his life and Absalom at the end. In between, he was broken by God so that he would say, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. You see, the reason why, and this probably may apply to you, listen, the reason why God allowed, particularly Saul, also Absalom, in David's life, 
was to get the Saul out of David's life, because there is a Saul in all of our lives. But the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34. Job lost all that he had and was reduced to nothing, so that he said, I repent in dust and ashes. And then the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. Jacob, the schemer, wrestled with the angel of the Lord until he broke his hip. And every time thereafter he took a step, his limp reminded him of that encounter with God of brokenness of will. Friend, we all have a limp, don't we? We're all dealing with something, and the Lord is bringing that to light so that we can surrender. Surrender that to him. I could speak of Joseph and Jeremiah and Simon, Peter, even Paul had to come to the end of himself through the thorn in the flesh experience in order to boast in his weakness so that the power of Christ to rest upon him. Paul began his ministry as chief of apostles and ended his ministry as chief of sinners. Do you get the message? In order to be greatly used by God, we all need to be broken. It simply happens in too many lives in Scripture to be a coincidence. God is at work in our lives as well of brokenness. Illustrated here in John 12 with the fragrance filling the house. Personalized in Jesus, I will lead the way. I will die in order for the life of God to come through my life. I will not remain alone. I will bear much fruit. And then he applies it to you and me in the next verse. How how does it apply to you and me, this matter of brokenness? Jesus says in John 12, 25, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Now we go from the ideal to the real. Now we go from preaching to meddling. Now we go from theory to practice. The life to be hated in this verse is that hard, unbroken outer shell, self-life. To allow the inner life of Jesus to come forth, it is essential that the outer life must be broken or hated as expressed in this world. Love less. Psalm 97.10 says, Hate evil, you who love the Lord. And so this brokenness of the outer man, this hating of the life that's, that's in the way, this hard outer shell that keeps Jesus from flowing through begins with self-examination. What areas of your life are unbroken? What resistance in your life is there to Jesus' lordship over you? What manifestations of the self are there in your life? In our last session, we'll get personal and apply it to you and me so that our lives can be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. We're talking about the most important matter ever considered in your life, and that is this principle of brokenness, illustrated in John 12, 3, with the house filled with the fragrance of the perfume out of the broken box, personalized in Jesus' own life in verse 24 of John 12, saying, I 
will fall into the earth and die, be broken as it were, that I might bear much fruit. And then Jesus personalizes it to you and me and says, you've got to come to the place where you hate this life in this world and you will keep it to life eternal, to, to hate those things that get in the way of the life of Jesus flowing through your life. My speaking to you, dear friend, you're in conflict with others at church or in home or at the office. You're having a difficult time dealing with the circumstances in your life. Perhaps you even have have it out for God in conflict with Him. Perhaps there's so much mental noise between your ears and hardly sleep at night. You see, these are indications that you have yet come to the place of total surrender, of brokenness for blessing, for usefulness, for victory. The problem with many a church is there are too many unbroken Christians running around making life miserable for everybody else. Same thing in the workplace or even in the home. You see, with broken Christians, there's little or no conflict or problem because they're just like Jesus. One is not broken until all resentment and rebellion is removed. One who resents and takes offenses or retaliates against criticism, opposition, or lack of appreciation is as unbroken as the one criticizing, opposing, and not appreciating them. You see, all self-justification and discontentment and irritation with providential circumstances and situation reveals one thing, unbrokenness. Until one is broken, he's full of himself or herself, his plans, her ambitions, his values, her complaints. These are manifestations of the unbroken life, self-seeking, self-pity, self-indulgence, and continual self-awareness. He or she is so full of self, there's no room for God. So are you broken or unbroken? Unbroken people focus on others' failures. Broken people are overwhelmed with the sense of their own spiritual need. Unbroken people look down on others. Broken people esteem others better than themselves. Unbroken people have an independent, self-sufficient spirit. Broken people recognize their need for others. Unbroken people maintain control. It must be their way. Broken people surrender control. Unbroken people claim their rights and have to prove that they are right. Broken people yield their rights, including the right to be right. Unbroken people desire to be served. Broken people serve others. Unbroken people desire to be recognized. Broken people are committed to making others a success. Unbroken people think of what they can do for God. Boy, I've been there. Broken people are thrilled to be used by God at all. And I will say I've been there too. So are you broken or unbroken? Is it amen or oh me? (laughs) When I shared this message in Oklahoma, my friend Max Rodebush was going through an intense time of brokenness He handed me this note after the talk. Broken to be beautiful. It's possible to turn your scars into stars. 
It's extremely rare to find in the great museums of the world objects of antiquity that are unbroken. Indeed, some of the most precious pieces in the world are only fragments that remain a hallowed reminder of the glorious past. Never underestimate God's power to repair and restore. End quote. I talked about the two vases in my office. A couple I performed their wedding gave me a third. It's a vase that has been broken and yet put back together and streamed with gold glue in between that marks the broken pieces back into one. It's called Kintsugi. Kintsugi. Taking broken pieces and making them beautifully, seamlessly, as it were, back into a beautiful vase. Ernest Hemingway wrote, The world breaks everyone, and afterwards many are stronger in the broken parts. Yes, we are stronger in our broken parts. I don't pretend to know what specifically is going on in your life. Many of you are going through tough times. But let me remind you that nothing happens to you that does not have God's inspection sticker on it. I do know what God is about in your life. He's in the process of breaking your outer man. You see, this brokenness is both gradual and sudden. The Lord uses sudden destruction to break some. In others, he uses constant daily trials or the gradual process. In still others, he uses both the sudden and the gradual, as in my life. You see, friend, I like brokenness. I liken it to the onion with many layers. The Lord continues to peel off our outer man layer by layer, and then we cry. The Bible calls it circumcising your heart in the Old Testament. Sometimes it takes years to accomplish his work. Most of us, a lifetime. You see, the timing is at his hands. Don't waste God's time. He's at work more than you know, stripping you of yourself, breaking you down to build you up so that the life of Jesus would flow through you, that sweet-smelling aroma Charles Stanley shares some tremendous insights into the process of brokenness. He says that God first targets an area in our lives needed to be broken. What is it in your life? Attitude? Sin? Relationship? Possession? He then arranges the circumstances and chooses the tools in this area of brokenness. Finally, God controls the pressure. He has his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. Isn't it good to know that God is in charge of our lives, especially through his process of brokenness? And Charles Stanley even went through some of these seasons. We thank God for them, really. We learn more in them, don't we, than in seasons of blessedness. But brokenness is also our work. We must respond properly. How then will you respond? Hopefully you'll respond in repentance and humility. Either God will humble you or he will have to humiliate you. He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So pray this prayer. 
Lord, bend that proud and stiff-necked eye. Help me to bow the head and die, beholding you on Calvary who bowed your head for me. Right here in John 12, 24, dying for us, showing us the way. Oh, to be saved from myself, dear Lord, oh, to be lost in you. Oh, that it might no more be I, but Christ who lives in me. Would the sweet-smelling fragrance of Jesus, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? Only God. So would you just humble yourself before the Lord, surrender, Lord, break me, and build me up, because God uses cracked pots. And he wants to use you and bless you. Surrender to him and have a great weekend. God loves you. I love you. Thanks for joining me. See you next time. The Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.